Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Exciting update. I have a brand new free resource. You all asked for it, so I created it. This is a relationship attachment quiz designed to help you understand your patterns in relationships. You can take this totally free quiz now by going to the link in my Instagram bio at Dr. Morgan Coaching and click attachment quiz. And you all know I love to hear from you. So either screenshot and tag me with your result or send me a DM letting me know your result from the quiz. You guys, this is totally free and this will be helpful to you. So go check it out. Can't wait for you to take the quiz and to share your results. Welcome to this week's episode. We have an amazing guest with us this week. Her name is also Morgan. So you get two Morgans. Aren't you lucky? Uh, This is Dr. Morgan Francis, who is a clinical psychologist, and she's the owner of Scottsdale Premier Counseling in Scottsdale, Arizona. She works with young adults, individuals, couples, and families. Her mission is to break through the mental health shame game, and she has over 20 years of experience specializing in the treatment of body image and eating disorders. So, We are so happy to have you, Dr. Morgan Francis. Say hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is just wonderful. And I love that we both share the name Morgan. That is the coolest. I know. It really is. I feel like I don't meet many other Morgans, so it's always really special when it happens. Um, And I don't know about you, but I actually hated that name growing up. I don't know. I met a boy named Morgan when I was little, and I was convinced it was a boy's name. But now... I love it. I find it really empowering. That's so funny. And yeah, I feel the same way. When I meet a Morgan, I'm like, oh, we're like kindred spirits, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a powerful name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm just so glad that the world of IG has connected us. And I know that there's so many great things you can share with the listeners. So I'm excited for today. Before we really dive in, I wanted to make sure that people know about the mindful text messages service that you have. Can you tell the audience about that? Yes, I would love to. So for a while now on Instagram, I've been doing stories and they've been mindful messages. So things just to be aware of, to bring that conscious healing to the forefront. And then I thought to myself, well, why don't we go a little bit deeper with this? Because not everybody wants to be on Instagram um, for whatever reason. And let's go to text messaging. So it's a text messaging service that's free, which is great because you just sign up like you would if you're going to text somebody, you text the number. um, And then automatically you will receive text messages that are filled with words of wisdom, empowerment, inspiration, and motivation about one to two, two, two times a 
week. So it's not too annoying or anything like that. Um, but it's been great. And, um, yeah, I, it's been taking off. I had no idea. I love that. It was going to be this powerful. So, and y'all, I am a subscriber to these and I have to say it is the nicest thing. Cause I'll be like busy having a crazy day. And then all of a sudden I get one of these texts and it's also funny because it's from Morgan. So it's like, oh, it's a message to me. But anyways, I love it. I love getting these text messages. Um, so I highly recommend that you subscribe. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, Morgan. Well, um, you have so much you can share with us. Tell us about the latest course that you've put out and kind of maybe if you can, a little bit of the backstory of where it came from. Yeah, absolutely. So I recently launched an online digital course called Loving Yourself Through Loss because when the pandemic hit, that was one of the main um, you know, things that kept coming up was all the, the loss that we have been experiencing collectively. And once we name what we are experiencing, then we're able to do something about it. So it allowed for people to dive deeper into understanding their own relationship with loss because so many times we think of loss as um, about a person that you know played a significant role in our life, and really loss is way means so much more than that. It, it's a broad definition, and so with the loss of you know traveling, going to church, um, seeing family members, um, musical events, sporting events, all the normalcy, um, we've really had to um, adjust and pivot. And for many of us, that can really be disruptive and bring up a whole host of emotions and thoughts and, re- and behavioral responses. So this course gives you the tools, the tips um, that you need in order to cope more effectively through uncertainty and grief and loss. Wow. I love that. And it's definitely something that is so needed right now. I know in my own experience, I don't think I really realized I was experiencing loss probably for the first month or even six weeks because I am very good at just being productive and staying busy and kind of, you know, shutting off from those emotions. But I do know as I allowed myself to actually feel it, that I was really, really missing my life. I mean, we all have just been living a different life right now. And, and there is a lot of loss and grief that comes with that. What about for you? What, what do you feel like you've missed the most or what has been part of your grieving during this time? That's a great question. So grief is not new for me. So I experienced loss when I was 16 years old. My brother was killed in a car accident. So one of the things that came up for me was old feelings that I haven't felt in a while. And I couldn't really put my finger on it. And I was like, gosh, this is, this is familiar. I've been down this road before. And so for me, it was just um, being able to um, remind myself that when it comes to uncertainty, um, which is what we were all facing, because we didn't know what was going to happen with our businesses, with our finances, with our relationships, um, with if you're a parent, you know, with homeschooling your children that we've actually all been through uncertainty before. Because if you think back to past experiences, you may be able to identify a time in your life that you overcame when you didn't know the outcome. Mm -hmm. What is something in your life that you overcame that you didn't know the outcome to? 
And for me, truly, obviously getting through the, the death of my brother, but it could be something more simplistic to that. I mean, you have moved Morgan. So it's like, you didn't know how it was going to end up when you moved into a new town, right? So you didn't know the mm-hmm. outcome, but you went ahead anyway, you adjusted and you made the best of it. So we all are experiencing like these first time, you know, experiences with the pandemic because we've had to do life and we've had to shift in a totally different way than we could have ever predicted. But the, the, the way to move through the, the, the anxiety of uncertainty is to remind yourself that you've been through uncertainty before. That's so powerful. I love that. Yeah. I almost think about having like a mental cookie jar where instead of cookies, you have all of these memories of resilience that you can pull out and use to help you at any given time. So it's true that, yeah, we all have been through this in one way or another. So being reminded that we can get through these times when there's uncertainty and being, and part of this is being so self-compassionate, right? Like for me, even realizing I had to even allow myself to acknowledge that I was feeling that way. So mm-hmm. I felt like for me, that was kind of the first step. But then for, mo- for most people, it's like, okay, so I realize I feel this way, then what do I do with it? And that's where something like the course that you created would be very helpful. Yeah, it really does because I break it down because grief starts in our bodies right? So we feel the sensations, we feel the tightness in our chest, we feel the dryness in our throat, the lock of our jaw, you know, the heaviness in our shoulders and our head. And so, you know, truly grief starts in our bodies. So one of the key components of this course was to create exercises to release the stress so that you weren't carrying it in your body. And so you were able to move through any of the anxiety, the guilt, the anger, whatever emotions you, you might be experiencing and let go. And so um, I love the course that I was able to incorporate that piece. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad that you made this. And I also am so aware of how the pain that you went through in losing your brother and being able to actually use that pain to help serve people and use it for use it for good. I think some of the listeners know about this and I feel like you probably also learned about this recently Morgan because I shared on Mother's Day that I lost my mom at a very young age. Um I was 5 and I feel like there was something about that experience having it happen so young that shaped how I viewed the world, but also gave me this fuel and energy to serve others. Mm-hmm. So I think about these examples in both of our lives that could have gone a certain way, but we both were able to kind of use it as fuel to help and serve other people. Yes, absolutely. And that's when our pain can be healing. Yes. So we can use the pain to be able to help others know that they're not alone. Yes. You know, because I bet there's someone out there that, you know, misses and wishes and longs for their mom and or was feeling alone on Mother's Day and really needed to hear that message from you. And so that's really mm-hmm. beautiful that you were able to, you know, sh- share that and, and help people. And I think that's what it's all about, right? It's being able to use our experiences of pain and know that we're not alone, that, you know, there's someone out there, even if it's just one person that we can make a yeah. difference with it matters. I completely agree. Yeah. And I'm so happy to 
be connected to strong women like you who can talk about these things. And because it also helps me feel, you know, strength in talking about it. So I'm so grateful for you and for this wonderful resource that you've created. How can people, if they want to know more about the course or purchase it, how can they do that? Well, thank you so much. And one of the things I want to do is to offer any of your listeners um, $100 off the course because I want to make it so it's accessible for them. So I will make sure to give you um, the promo code and you can include it in the show notes, but it's gratitude 100 is, is the promo code. And, um, but I'll make sure to give you all that information, but they can locate the course on my Instagram and the link tree. Um, and then I also have, um, it on my website, which is www.scottsdalepremiercounseling.com. Um, and they also can find out the number for the mindful messages that way too. I love it. Awesome, Morgan. And in case you guys don't know, um, Dr. Morgan Francis is on IG as Dr. Morgan Francis. I just wanted to verify that. So if you're not already following her, go follow her. She's amazing. Thank you. Um, And so the other thing I wanted to talk with you about, because I know this is something that so many of my listeners can relate to. It's something I dealt with all throughout my life and continue to. Um, Let's talk about body image and how that impacts, obviously, your relationship with yourself. And then hopefully we can get into how that impacts your relationship with an intimate partner. Absolutely. So I love that we're talking about this because body image, I mean, I could talk about it for days. I mean, I know we <laughs> like a series here. I know we really could. Um, okay. So let's make sure we all have a basic definition, um, around body image. So how I define it is body image is your attitudes, your beliefs, your feelings, your reactions, your response, your behaviors to the way that you look. And that's from head to toe. Okay, so there's lots of things that can go into the etiology or the development of your body image. Um, So what I tell people is that most of the time where we struggle is when our self-concept or how we see ourselves is directly related to how we look. And so if if your body weight, shape, and size changes, which it will because you're human, right? (laughs) Um, And your self-worth, your self-concept is attached to that number, that size, then guess what happens? Low self-esteem, low self-worth, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, isolation, disturbances in your relationship, disturbances in your sexual health, um, eating disorders, disordered eating, emotional eating. I mean, the, the, the list is long. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we really work on um, either developing a positive body image and, and moving away from having our bodies be a source of stress. I love that definition and I relate to it so well. I want to hear a little bit about your experience with with how you became interested in this. I know for me, um, I was certified as a NASM personal trainer. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the background in fitness, that was kind of like my escape from graduate school. I get to go hang out in the gym and just goof off. Um, But before that happened, I had had just a terrible relationship with my body. I was overweight Mm -hmm. throughout my childhood, made fun of for that. Mm -hmm. Um, At at one point, just I I remember a period where I definitely engaged in disordered eating, where it was the same thing every single day and under 
1200 calories and diet pills and you name it. So I know so many people can relate to that. It's so, it's so prevalent. Um, but I definitely had that personal shift of, you know, being on the treadmill and saying, I hate myself. I am going to run until I'm skinny and then I'll be good enough. Right. And that self-worth being connected, but slowly over time, making that shift to, I love my body so much the way I am, no matter what. And I'm going to work out because I love my body because it feels good and I feel good. So I, I so love this area and I know just how important it is. Like what, what you do and what you help people with is so foundational. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. And I, I really can resonate a lot with your personal journey. And I think again, like so many of us can, and, and that's why it's important that we open up these conversations to know that we're not alone. Um, because you know, eating disorders and disordered eating are so common and people really don't recognize that, um, they are struggling because we've normalized it so much in our culture and it's, and it's not, it's not okay. Um, so personally, yes, I mean, my body weight and shape and size was made very, uh, it was made apparent to me through people's comments, judgment, comparisons, um, teasing, uh, you know, tell me that it, it's not okay the way I looked. Um, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, bless my, my mother's heart. And of course she had no idea, but you know, that her, her own relationship with her body would, mm-hmm. you know, shape mine. Um, so my mom was always on diets, you know, she was always wanting to stay a certain weight, shape and size. Mm-hmm. Um, and so her seeing what she was going through, um, I definitely modeled that myself. Um, and then I would say really ramped up for me after the death of my brother, because if it, it gave me a sense of something I could control, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I lost my brother my parents got divorced the following year. I mean, my eating disorder was full blown. So, um, my, my parents basically, when I was in college said, you're going, you're either going to go get help or we're going to take you out of school. And for me, my education was like my church. I mean, it was everything to me. Mm. Um, it was my way that I coped through life. So I was not about to lose my education. And so, um, I said, fine, I'll go into treatment. I went into treatment, met a wonderful therapist and she basically saved my life at that time and helped me to establish body trust and body respect. Um, which is something I talk a lot about in my other course. Um, I have another course online uh, for body image, bye bye body blame. You deserve to love your body without having to lose weight. And one of the, the one of the main components of that is listening and responding to your body. Because I don't know about you, Morgan, but I know from like when I was, if I was hungry, I would tell myself, "You're not hungry. Just drink water." Right? If oh, if yeah. I wanted something to eat, I was like, "No, you can only have a salad." You know. So yeah. I. I I betrayed my body by not listening to it. And the, and the other side of it is true too. If I was overeating and I was eating way too much, I would just keep eating. Even mm-hmm. though my body was saying, I'm full, I'm full. Like, please stop. Like, this is hurting me. I wouldn't listen. I would just keep binging. And so it's really um, listening and responding is one of the main um, components mm-hmm. in my body image course. I love that so much. I love that so much. Yeah. And I think one of the things to realize is our, our bodies are just the source of, of our overall health. And it's, it's just such a foundation. So 
sometimes, right, if you're dealing with depression, anxiety, trauma, et cetera, it can be showing up in your, in your eating and your relationship with yourself. So I just know that when you're finally healing that relationship with your body, you're also healing so much more in your life at the same time. So it's an incredibly powerful experience to work on that. I, I know we both can attest to that. I know in my, my own life, um, finally making peace with my body is probably one of the biggest gifts I've ever given myself. Yeah. And it's something I'm really proud of, right? Because society says we should never be satisfied with our bodies, that we should always be changing. We should always be purchasing the products. We should always be conforming to the, the ideal beauty myth that what we look like is never good enough. And so, you know, for me, it was like, I just got tired. I got tired of trying to fit into a mold that my body like genetically was never going to fit into. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that I don't, I don't experience white privilege or pretty privilege. Um, what it's to say is that for me, like I really had to let go of any unrealistic expectations for like what I was thinking that my body should look like. Right. Cause yes. I was always constantly comparing it to this woman. Um, because she was basically selling me something like selling me not just weight loss, but acceptance or hope or love right. or tension and or worth. And it's like, okay, kind of what you said a moment ago, like once my body is this shape or size, then, then I'll be able to be with that. Yeah. Then I'll be oh, enough yeah. my dad, or then I'll be able to get in my swimsuit, or then I'll be able to get up on stage and do my speaking engagement. And, and that's the thing I think, you know, I see women and men um, struggle with is like, they're, they're waiting, they're constantly waiting for that, that time in their lives where it's like going to be enough. And the, the reality is society, diet culture will never allow it to be enough mm -hmm. because there will always be something that they'll, it'll try to sell to you. Mm -hmm. So, so powerful. I love that. You know, and I think as, as someone who did the restrictive eating and the crazy dieting and two workouts a day, and actually got to the weight that I thought was enough that was supposed to make me enough. I think anybody who's, who's done that and then you get to that quote unquote good enough weight, but then you realize you don't feel any different. Oh no. How powerful is that? Right? Like I got to that, you know, I think at the time it was 135 pounds, which is way less than I need to weigh. Um, but I remember getting there and I was like, I still don't feel good enough. And it really is that piece of no matter what external thing you do, whatever standard you feel like you're supposed to reach, even if you do get there, if you haven't done the internal work, it's not going to mean anything. It'll, it'll never be enough, you know? Right. Exactly. And that's why I always tell, I'm, I'm really big on this, that we don't heal body image from the outside in. We heal body image from the inside out. Exactly. And I, like you, when I was at my thinnest, which was really interesting is because as a society, we automatically assume that when we are thinner in our body shape, that that must mean that life is really good. Like, oh my gosh, girl, way to go. You look amazing. Like, what are you doing? You look so good. Yes. And the reality was like, when I was at my thinnest, my life was hell. Yes. Like, I was in hell. Like I was starving. Yes. I was hungry. I was in a toxic relationship. Yep. I had, my hair was falling out. I wasn't, you know, my periods were irregular. My skin was breaking out. I was developing psoriasis. Like my body was mm. shutting down. And mm. 
yet everyone was like, you look so good. And I'm, mm-hmm. and it was such confusing messages because I'm like, well, really? Because gosh, I don't feel good inside. Yeah. And so, you know, we can't judge a person's health on the way that they look. Amen. I, I work with anorexics and, and trust me, like they may look like society standards as wow, I wish I had that body. Yeah. They are dying inside physically inside, and yeah. literally they are so unhappy and they are so miserable. So I always tell people you cannot judge health on the way someone looks. So it's best not to compliment or say anything positive and or negative about a person's appearance. And instead make a conscious effort to comment about who they are or Mm -hmm. how they make you feel. Like for instance, you could say, you are so inspiring to me, or I love how you um, are so quick witted. I love how your smile like makes me feel so good. Or you give the best hugs. Um, I love the way that you're able to talk about X, Y, Z, you know? So it's about who they are versus what they look like and getting away from appearance related compliments. So powerful, Morgan. I love that. And honestly, what you're sharing, it makes me reflect on in my own childhood um, with my dad. I don't think he did this intentionally. Like so many of our parents, they're not doing these things intentionally. But whenever he would talk about like a family friend or anyone um, who, who we knew, the very first thing he would talk about would be their appearance. It wasn't like, oh, so-and-so got a new job. It was like, oh, so-and-so gained 20 pounds. They look terrible, you know? And I I just know that it was wired in me from a young age that your appearance was the most important thing. So, so many of us, we have so much work to do when it comes to rewiring our brains to know that appearance doesn't really mean anything. I love what you're saying. And and this is... um one of the questions I get asked the most from parents, specifically mothers, how do I make sure my child doesn't develop a negative body image? And really what the mom is asking me is how do I make sure that my child doesn't hate her body like I've hated mine? Yeah. And, and the answer is always the same. It starts with you. Mm-hmm. It starts with you. Children learn through social modeling, monkey see, monkey do. So I could tell my child until I am blue in the face, how beautiful, how amazing they are, but it doesn't matter if I'm looking in the mirror and I'm grimacing or I'm sighing or I'm weighing myself or if I'm not eating what they're eating, or if I'm on constant diets, or if I'm making disparaging remarks about my body shape and size, our children here. And so they're going to think, well, if mom says I'm beautiful, but I think mom's beautiful but mom doesn't think she's beautiful. So I guess I, that means I need to change my, the way I look too. And that's, that's exactly what happened in, in my upbringing. My mother was so complimentary to how I looked. Um, always gave me words of affirmation, but I saw how much she struggled. And mm. so again, it's like as children, we naturally model what we are exposed to. Just like you talk about your dad, you were primed to then pay attention to how people look. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing that you mm-hmm. noticed about a person, mm-hmm. not how they were doing or who they are, but what's their body shape and size. And again, this is not something that I think many of us are conscious of. It just happens, but we need to become more conscious. And so for me, I have an eight-year-old, I have a six-year-old and I have a four-year-old. 
And I don't, they don't know anything about the way that I feel about my body other than it helps me move. It helps me run. It helps me walk. It helps me digest. It helps me laugh. Like what does my body do for me versus how does my body look today? I love that so much. That's so powerful. Um, And it, you know, this is making me think about the um, role of modeling in our relationships and how, when I work with couples, I talk about if you want your partner to really approach something differently or do something differently, the best way you can do it is to model it yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just that power of modeling and knowing that as a parent, that is probably the most powerful way that you can impact your kids, that relationship with you. And it, it all starts with you. Um, but speaking of couples, I wanted to ask you, what, what do you think um, the relationship is between our body image and how we're showing up in our intimate relationships? It's a big factor um, for men and women. And so um, I want to make sure I broaden the conversation that if this isn't just um, a female issue, this is a, a male issue as well. Um, oh gosh, I swear, Morgan, we could talk about this for I know, this might be another episode. <laughs> like, what part do I talk about the first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, when we look at symptomology of a negative body image, our sexual health, our femininity, and our masculinity is greatly affected. So, I mean, obviously from a basic standpoint, if I don't feel comfortable about the way that I look, I'm not going to feel comfortable in the way that I look in the bedroom. And so I might do certain strategies to make sure that my partner doesn't, you know, touch me in certain places, or I might keep my clothes on, the lights off, or, um, it might take me a while to get in my, um, you know, energy to be in my, um, sexual arousal template. So there's so many things and so many factors about it. Um, and, um, another key piece. Um, and I don't know how much your viewers go into, you've gone into this, but pornography plays a huge role mm. in, in our body image when it comes to a sexual intimacy. This is, I know this is probably a whole other episode. You're we, right. We could do like a whole thing on all that. I, just, I don't know how, yes. go, but um, no, I love it. It makes me think about the whole piece of, you know, when we're building security in a relationship, right? That secure attachment. It's so important to be able to be vulnerable, to show up as we are, to allow our partner to come in and really know us. Um, and, and what can happen is that if I'm insecure about my body and I'm pulling away from my partner when they want to have sex, for example, um, my partner can then take that as a rejection and they don't know your internal experience that, oh, it's because I feel insecure. So then they think it's about them and it just becomes that whole spiral of creating disconnection, distance. And sometimes I have worked, I have worked with couples who have not been physically intimate in over a decade. And I know that some of it is because of insecurity about body and the way that that has gotten in the way of their intimacy and security. So, so important. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There's so, that's definitely um, a dynamic that can happen with sexual intimacy. 
Um, mm-hmm. I've also worked with couples um, where there's been infidelity. And so when there's been infidelity, there's a tendency for the women to think it's about her body shape and size. Yes. And, I, and I promise you that, you know, it's not. Um, we know from research that, you know, men's infidelity, 95% of men that do cheat outside the marriage, it had nothing to do with their partner's appearance. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it had nothing to do with their appearance at all. It had to do with the man. Um, right. And the second thing too, I remind people of, like you could be the most beautiful woman in the world, such as Cindy Crawford, Halle Berry, Giselle Bunchen, um, and still experience infidelity. So beauty is not an antidote to infidelity. Just like those women I mentioned, they all have been in relationships where men have been unfaithful. Beauty is not an antidote to infidelity. So it's a preach. Yeah. So we just need to remind ourselves that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I know. um, Thinking back in my past ways of thinking, I know that I tied how I looked to my ability to quote unquote keep a partner. And you know what else is important about this, Morgan? Um, Is that if we get in that mindset, then all of a sudden, every other woman that we meet can kind of become a threat. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You're so spot on with that. And I've been in that mindset as well. Uh Um, You know, making sure that I looked a certain way in order to keep my man from you know, yeah. objectifying other women when realistically and honestly, that that's not my problem. That's his problem for looking at other women. Yeah. Right. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You have to find other women. Like that's, that's an issue you need to work on. And if I'm staying with a man that does that, that says mm-hmm. more about me than it does about him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then how many times is it just imagined? Am I just projecting? Yeah. Like, Ooh, you were staring at that person too long when in reality it was just, you know, it could be nothing. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like this is so key. And you were so right um, to talk about how men struggle with this as well, because I I know that whether it's about not being tall enough, not being muscular enough, et cetera, there are so many men who also experience this insecurity. And I know that it impacts how they show up in their romantic relationships as well. It really does. And I, and actually my, my first work was not with women. It was with mm. men. Mm. So for 10 years, I worked with men, uh, around their sexual health and body image, um, specifically, um, about infidelity and pornography and compulsive, um, sexual behaviors. And so I, I, I specialized in that for over 10 years. And then I, you know, got pregnant, had three children in three years. I was not able to continue to work at that private practice, um, cause it was a group practice. And so that's when I went on to my, my own individual practice that I created here in Scottsdale. And so that's when I started to shift my focus from the men over to the women, as far as, you know, um, body image in our relationship with food. Um, but I still work with men, um, around, um, their sexual health. I just don't, I don't really talk about it on my IG, um, yeah. because I only take personal referrals to me. Um, because it's just, you know, it's, it's a very serious issue and, um, there's yes. so much shame attached to it. Um, and I know that men struggle with sexual intimacy. It's just, again, yes. it's not talked about, unfortunately. It's just not talked about. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I also, uh, work with men and I know that sometimes men just don't feel the same. What's the word I'm looking for? The same comfort in acknowledging that they're struggling in these areas. So I'm glad that we can both acknowledge that. And to all the men listening, we, we see you, we know you deal with these things too. 
And yeah. there's so much pressure for them. I mean, there yes. really is. And, you know, I think the biggest for the, when we look at the beauty myth for men, I mean, really, truly, it really came out during the era of Fight Club with Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's, you know, more and more with, you know, The Rock or Dwayne uh, Johnson and um, right. muscular, you know, Adonis complex that men struggle with. Um, and of course, like being like really great performers um, with sexual intimacy, yes. uh, physiological arousal and penis size and all that stuff. So there's a lot to that, um, that men really do struggle with. Yes, yes, yes. Morgan, uh, I am just aware of how amazing you are, especially you said I had three kids in three years. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is a superwoman here, y'all. That's amazing. Um, and I'm aware of our time and there's one thing that I always do as I'm wrapping up these interviews. Um, I want to ask you if you met somebody on the street and they asked you for your best advice at the moment, and this could just be like whatever you're reading or whatever you're thinking about, um, what, what would be kind of your best advice you'd give them? You know, I mean, it sounds so simplistic and it's the first thing that came up to me, came up for me is, um, be you, be you, just be yourself. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's so much pressure to try to fit the mold or, you know, um, be people pleasing, um, you know, say the right thing, look the right way. Uh, you know, um, because we all just at the end of the day want to be seen and heard and matter. And so I would say is just allow yourself to be you because the world needs you. It doesn't need a, a, a copy of you. It, it needs your authentic you. I love that. And I feel like that connects so well to what we talked about today in terms of really healing your relationship with yourself and your body. So I love that. Thank so you. simple, but so powerful. Um, and also Morgan, tell our listeners, what is the best way for them to connect with you on all the socials? Yeah. So I would say probably Instagram is where I show up the most. Um, so at Dr. Morgan Francis, and then, um, I have the mindful messages. I have the two online digital courses. Um, I'm going to be, um, uh, creating a new space here in the next, I would say two months, um, where I'll be able to connect more, um, online with, um, anyone that's interested. So if anyone is interested in diving deeper into, you know, body image and body shame and or relationships or grief and loss, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram and I'll add you to the list. Um, because I've had such a, um, so many people say that they want to work with me and I'm like, I'm saturated in my, my practice here in Scottsdale. So, um, I, I know that there's a need. And so I am going to be developing, um, an opportunity for us to do more connective work through, um, online. So I'm excited. So I love that. I'll be sure to keep everybody updated. That's awesome. Thank you. And so I know that we would both love to hear from you. If you've had takeaways from this episode, please DM us or screenshot this episode and then tag myself at Dr. Morgan coaching and Dr. Morgan Francis in your stories. We definitely want to hear from you. Um, and thank you so much, Morgan, for, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. I feel like we could have talked for hours. So. I know. <laughs> we'll, have to do, we'll have to do a part two for sure. I hope you all enjoyed your double dose of Morgans. And as always, I am wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk with you soon. 
You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.